Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. I am Jason here with Brian, Tommy, and Caleb. Today, we're going to be addressing a question that every single one of us has asked probably multiple times in our lives. How do I know my purpose? What am I here for? What am I supposed to do? How do I distinguish between you know, what God's calling me to do or what my real purpose is? versus dreams that I have or desires that are on my heart, how to navigate that entire thing and figure out where God's leading, what's the distraction, what's the truth. So we're going to get into the weeds with all that in this episode. So buckle up. We're discussing this last week when we're kind of prepping over uh, the next topic and in conversation with you guys and in hearing from just some younger people when I was speaking at a school. And this also came up from our uh, weekly fellowship we do with some uh, new believers here. And how do we pursue our dreams? How do we pursue our goals? But how do we know if it's from God? And then what happens when obstacles come? And basically a lot of questions surrounding that, that they're starting to discover. We know we have a purpose, but how do we even bring that out? And so I'm hoping today we can kind of unpack some of those ideas and maybe uh, separate terms a little bit because i think we blend a lot of terms like we will our our current world is you go to college you pick what you want to go do with your life and then you go get educated in that and that becomes your goal i'm going to be this occupation and the bible has a complete different look at that because as we talked before your identity who you are is the thing that actually drives what comes out of you. And there is occupations throughout all of the Bible, but those weren't necessarily the purpose of that person. They were utilized for the purpose of the person, but the occupation itself was just a utility that may have added tools, may have added experience, may have added understanding, but that wasn't the goal of these people's lives. And so I was hoping maybe we could break that down, but I think we could also get out of maybe a myth on the other side. I have to pursue my dreams so I can't do anything else but this dream. And I think there's something that needs to be clarified in that too, because there's a lot of times your skills is the thing that will bring out that dream or will expose you to new areas, new understanding. And so that's kind of where I want to kind of tackle this because when obstacles come your way, there needs to be an inner fortitude to keep moving forward in those against those obstacles. But if it's not really part of your heart, it's not really part of your mind, you will you may a compromise, you may quit. Uh, all of those different uh, scenarios could take place versus I'm just going to keep moving forward because this is what I am. So I'm hoping to kind of unpack some of those ideas and bring some clarity to this idea of our dreams, our goals, our occupation, and the obstacle. Maybe maybe we can um, kind of hash out the, these the two kind of stereotypical things that pop into a lot of people's mind when we think of this. So you you picture one person who is just you know a slave to their day job, doesn't enjoy it, but it's what they do. If someone asks them, "What do you do?" Well, oh, I'm this. I'm a customer service rep. I'm a plumber. I'm a, a garbage man, even though we have, they have no connection to it. They don't feel like it's something that's a desire of theirs. They're just kind of stuck in that occupation. They're stuck in that thing. And that's all that's around them because it provides a service, provides a paycheck and whatnot versus maybe the other side where you have this person that seems, you know, to make a stereotypical example, you've got an artist who just loves to paint and they don't have a job. And they mooch off their friends and their family because they don't want to get a job because that would detract from their art and they paint in their basement and they really have no impact or influence on anyone around them. They're just kind of this wishy-washy, artsy, dreamy person with no substance to their life. So maybe we can kind of split the difference on those things here. Let me throw an addition into that as we're talking through these conversations. You will have that one individual that let's say is an artist or she's an artist. And that is the thing that catapults them. But then everyone else who tries to follow that example accomplishes nothing. And I think it becomes very important that throughout history, there's always someone who did this anomaly. So we want to try to model their path. 
that we can't model someone else's path. There's only one person's path that we can model. But if we model someone else's path without considering our background, where we came from, the environment that we're in, the, the time periods that we're in, we're going to become very frustrated. So it's important in this that we're not looking to show you what is the path to something, but more of what is the thinking and what is the heart motivation in doing anything, which really is at the core. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, you may have someone that chooses to work in a job that to someone else would be like, why are you just doing that meaningless job? But to them, that job gives them the tool in order for them to do the thing that's way more valuable to them. And so we have to be careful saying, oh, you're just in a mindless job. Uh, you're, you're worth more. You could do more. But they may actually be doing something that is way worth more and doing something more. But they need that for that time period. So Again, there's different motivations for people. So I want to be careful, even as we're given examples, if you're not an entrepreneur and pursuing something and laboring and building something as we would measure successful, that does not mean you're not doing your dream and you're not doing your the, the right, the right thing. It all has to do with the motivation to do it. Now, if you're doing something and maybe I can define what an occupation is. An occupation tends to be something that you, it, that you find within your environment, that you have a skill set or you build a skill set, you do that occupation, and it's something that provides something for you. You give to it, it provides for you. A dream is something completely different. A dream is something that you actually offer yourself to that. And the reward of that is irrelevant because who you are needs to bring that out. So a mango tree does not get benefit from its mangoes. Others get benefit from the mangoes. So we have to look at the fruit of your life is to benefit something else, which it has more to do with the dream, the calling, and your identity. The occupation can, and we should have that man mentality in it, but usually it's something to exchange in order to do something else. Anyway, that's my thoughts on that. You guys can agree or disagree. Caleb, Tommy, when you're looking at this, you guys are kind of kicking off. You guys have made choices about where you kind of want to go and uh, what you want to do. Uh, how, how do you interpret the, the two? I know, Tommy, in the past, you've given examples of uh, a guy at school that was using school to gather what he needed in order to go do what he was called to do, where other people go to school thinking that if I get this from school, then I will be something. And so there's two thoughts there that go on and i'm sure caleb with you with school you made a different choice of school right away of the type of schooling you want to do and yet you have all of your background and your your skill sets that have kind of grown that really have nothing they don't have a they're not directly applied to what you want to go do but they are uh, become powerful tools in order for you to keep moving forward in what you want to do so maybe if you guys could touch into that a little bit I guess coming at it from a college perspective, um, for me personally, it's been hard to distinguish what's how how do I balance between knowing what my occupation is and trying to prepare for that and knowing what the dream is and focusing on that. So that's been hard for me from a college perspective of like, I just want to give up college so I can really chase after what I feel like I'm supposed to do or stay in college and focus on my occupation because that's what's going to ultimately provide for me what I need in order to be able to fully chase after the dream, if that makes sense. And the my friend who you brought up, um, we had talked about him in the past. It's, it's a really interesting way in which he looks at school is he looks at it more of an ex exchange of like, my professor knows X, Y, Z about blah, blah, blah. Um, so I go for that. But if I'm not getting what I feel is valuable out of that, you know, he will not show up to class. He'll do what he needs to do to get by, but he won't necessarily put it all in. But it's because he knows already what his long-term goal at it is. And I think that's a very interesting like perspective is because he knows he 
he graduated just this last week, but he already knows what he was doing after college because that's what he's been doing already. He's been doing it while he's in college. Now he's just stepping into a bigger role, a bigger function. So it's almost like college became a preparation of like, here's the groundwork. And if it's not necessarily groundwork and it's just kind of fluff and other details, he doesn't focus on it, but he focuses more on what will bring him that long-term value of what will help him in the, in the near future with his job coming out of school. And I just thought it was very interesting um, that he doesn't necessarily let college define who he is. He already know who he, he already knows he has his identity and his vision of what he's becoming outside of school. He doesn't let school put that limitation on it. And I thought, I think that's very interesting. And I think that's something that many people my age um, in school happens is like, oh, you're X, Y, Z career. That's who you have to become. You have to do it a certain way. Whereas you could be who you are functioning in a different role based on your education. But for me, it's just been really hard to distinguish what's like, what to focus on. Do I focus on my dream or do I focus on learning for an occupation or how does that work? Yeah, I, I think I um, agree with some of Tommy's perspective on there because when I was a kid, I kind of, or in high school, I kind of got this obsession with hiking in the outdoors and I'd see these people on YouTube who would spend weeks at a time, like hiking through the woods, just recording themselves hiking through. And I got into researching how they would do that because I was like, where, where are they getting money from to be able to do this and spend all this time on it? And basically from everything I saw, people would like work for a period of time at the job they had then go hike for a period of time because they love the outdoors. And it was kind of like their occupation was like what you're saying was just an exchange of time for what they needed to go do their dream, which was hiking or even things like, you know, making videos about hiking and stuff. And so I think I kind of saw that and that kind of became like, okay, I'll just have to go do this job somewhere um, and exchange my time for that in order to like support my dream of what I want to do. But just this past year, I kind of, with what, it, what I was doing, where I was going into, I got a job basically involved in what I love to do, which is creating videos and photography and video and stuff. And I, I've actually been telling people like, it's my dream job. And, and um, it's like not the best pay or like all this different stuff. Like, it's not like amazing or anything like that. But I think because it's basically a part of my dream and I get to work at it and support myself in it. It's like, you know, when people say you get your dream job, I think it's like that, but I found it's not cliche in that sense because it's basically a part of my dream and also like what I can do as a job. And I think that is a rare case. So I'm not saying like everybody should, chase or dream job necessarily or something like that or but I think you can figure out like what is my occupation and how can it be a part of my dream essentially even if that means you're making like sacrifices with the occupation to support the dream I think so that's now, how I've kind of experienced that now Caleb there's a little bit better backstory than you're even sharing because if I'm just listening to that I'm thinking okay so he found his dreams at job let me ask you a question. When you first wanted to do this, did that job exist? The job I got? Yes. Yes, it did. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, essentially it's existed in certain realms, but not it's not very common, I guess. So maybe take a little bit, if you could go backwards just a little bit to kind of explain this is when you went to school, you were in a class that has that morphed into something. So I think that gives a better picture because you were pursuing something when there, you actually had to pay to be in that class. So you were actually paying for something that now they're paying you to do. So can you kind of walk through maybe a couple steps of that to bring some clarity? 
Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, that's a really good point because basically for the past two years, what I'm now going to be paid to do, I've basically been volunteering myself to do and supporting myself other ways, essentially, while I do like video editing and photography and things like that. So even this past year where they normally had it as an option for you to pay to take these classes and stuff, they actually took that away. And I still basically dedicated myself to it and everything and kept on doing it, which is, it's just because what I love to do. And it's just part of my, like, I guess, essentially part of my dream. And so then this past year, it just worked out magically, I guess, or a blessing from God, but to be able to basically, because I have been working hard at it for the past two years. And I think a lot of stuff came together, but they decided to basically make it back into what it used to be where it had once been removed. So I think it's just like, I, that's why it's so easy for me to say it's my dream job because essentially I've been doing that dream job just without getting paid. But now, now I don't have to worry about doing another occupation with it. Now it's just, I can just solely focus on that and dedicate even more time to it. So. No, that's a great picture. There, there's more to it. I think we'll ask you some more questions about that as we go on, because there's some more uh, backstory to you that helps build that. But I think that's a great picture is you're actually doing an occupation, but it is something that you desire to do in a dream. But maybe we can adjust that word of a dream. It's something you desire to do, and it kind of became a goal to keep pursuing it. But I think there's something deeper in you that actually is a bigger dream. That when we talk about a dream, I kind of want to go back to the thought process of how God gave people dreams. So Abraham had a dream to be the father of many nations, right? But it took a long time before that that happened. King David was told by the prophet as a shepherd boy, you are the next king. You are the king. Yet there was a process before that. He couldn't even make that happen. Abraham couldn't make that happen. Joseph had a dream that his family would bow down to him, but he couldn't make that happen. There was no like track record of pursuit that would make that happen. So when we're looking at dreams from God, it's usually something that so inspires and and God keeps putting this, this idea in our imagination so we could start seeing it. But basically, all you could do is occupy and give yourself to whatever's in front of you. And then it it comes about. I don't want to make it just magical. Oh, and then it comes about. It's just what you are. So when we look at Joseph, part of the reasons his brothers hated him is he was made the administrator of the family with the robe. It had more to do with just being the favorite and the coolest looking robe. It was he was made the administrator. And he was the youngest, and that should have gone to the eldest. So you have this all this envy starting to happen. Then, you know, we know he got thrown in, sold as a slave, and then he became the leader of the house, administrating the house. Then that put him into prison. And then when he was in prison, he became the administrator of the prison. Then later on, he helped everyone while he was in prison, right? Because everywhere he went, he just offered himself and just gave himself in that moment And what happened was his identity was coming out that he was the administrator and he kept administering and then people trusted him and then he moved him, and then the enemy comes to sabotage his identity and he gets thrown into something worse. And then even in prison, he ends up being in charge of all the prisoners in prison and he helps the other, the, I know this isn't who it is, but I always think of the, the riddle, the butcher, the baker and the candlestick maker. So he helps the butcher, the baker and the candlestick maker discover their dream and they had a dream. He interpreted their dream and he helped them with what was in their heart and in their imagination. And so his whole goal was always lifting someone else in everything that he was so they can fulfill what was their mission. Then he ends up as the, as the leader of the known world the highest in command, the highest in authority, even though there was a Pharaoh, he was given charge over everything. And so, and what was he doing there? He was administrating. So if you look at what his calling was, he was an administrative leader and he just kept everywhere he was. You couldn't get rid of that 
part of them, but he served everybody and lifted them into those whole ideas. So one I, one thing I would like to kind of pull out of this is we do have a little bit of selfish Western thought. And I, I'm not against pursuing your goals and giving yourself to it. And you're going to have to make sacrifices. And you weren't describing this, Caleb, which is why I think your story is kind of unique because you were actually serving them to fulfill what the school was trying to bring about. And as a result, you begin to be, get the benefit of it. I think it's a, a really cool example. But like, uh, like Tommy, you brought up your friend, and this isn't a critique on your friend. It's just a perspective of thinking is, I'm going to use school to get what I want. And I, I do think there's an element of that. But part of it is we could get such a training of that, I go get a job, and I'm using those people to get what I want. And in time, who really wants to hire you? You're going to get the worst job. But if you went and say, you know what? I want to get here, but I'm going to give myself to help this dream, which is why it's important where you pick working because you're helping that dream come, come, a path, come to pass. So if we took the model of Joseph, if we spend our life trying to help other people with their dreams, with our occupation, it is inevitable for us to not fulfill what our purpose is later in life. I mean, it, 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 it becomes, you are actually growing in all those things. I said a mouthful there. Well, one thing I want to add to that, cause you make a great point there. It's, it's not about you and what you can get from it. That's not really the, the true heart of a dream. It's not to build yourself up. And yet there's something about, a true desire that it feels like you being lifted up in who and what you are when you're walking in it. Like Caleb, when you're, when you're working on videos, you're not sitting there the entire time thinking, man, there's nothing about me that loves media or videos or photography. I just hate this, but I'm doing it because it's helping someone else that no, you're, you're actually passionate about it. When I'm, when I'm playing music, it's not, Ugh, I'm just so sick of music and how amazing it is and how I can uh, compose things and produce things in a different way. It, it's something that flows out of me, but it's not to lift myself up. It's because of the impact it can have on other people. And so it's almost like those two things, we sometimes see them as conflicting with each other. Well, am I doing it for other people or am I doing it because it's the desire of my heart and I love it? Well, both can be true. Like that's actually how I think God is our father works. He puts a desire in your heart that you love. And maybe you didn't love it a year ago, but you, you grew to love it. And that helps and impacts other people and lifts them up. But a lot of times, at least I grew up thinking that it was going to be a conflicting thing. Like, you know, God's going to put this desire on my heart to be a missionary in like the North Pole. And I'm going to hate it, but it's, the desire of my heart technically, and it's going to help other people. So I have to go through with it, but, but just all that to say, I don't think those things are exclusive. I think they can work in tandem together. Yeah. I think I've actually been hearing kind of this message a lot lately because I even listened to a podcast the other day and it had Jocko Willink, who is a Navy SEAL. And he was talking about his desire to be the best possible Navy SEAL that he could be. And in it, he said, you know, the person interviewing him asked like, okay, well, what makes the best Navy SEAL? And he said, if you asked any Navy SEAL what the best Navy SEAL could be, it's not the fastest runner. It's not the smartest. It's not the most physically fit. It's the one who helps out his teammates and always looks out for his teammates and lifts them up. And basically like his whole point of that was that to fulfill his dream of becoming the best it was actually to lift up others in his position and through that that's how he grew in rank and grew in position it wasn't out of selfish like desires you know in a manipulating way to be like i'm going to help others that way they want to promote me because you could do the projects on your own and prove that you were the best to get promoted but rather like letting um higher command see the teammates as the ones who are doing well but then you know in that his whole thing was people would remember that and then they want to work with you. But even in that, it wasn't so that he would be promoted to a higher position. He just wanted to be the best Navy steel that he could be, which meant he was going to help out his teammates and look out for his teammates for himself. And I think that applies to anything like 
what you're saying, Jason, is that in any dream we have, like the dream is not even for ourselves fully. Like if we don't make the dreams all about us in doing things and serving others because we love it and because it's part of our dream, I think that that's the real purpose of the dream. It's not for even ourselves, but it's for other people because that's how dreams and like all the great people who had dreams in history, that's how they affected history. Like even Joseph, like you're saying, Brian, even though that was his dreams and it was for himself, the only way it actually ended up being an effective dream and affecting history in the world is because he sought for other people and not just for himself. So maybe the, the definition of dream shouldn't, we, we kind of blend it with goals. And I'm not saying that there's not a, a there, there can't be a crossover in there. So I, I'm not trying to completely separate everything, but a dream is kind of like a unknown that's known to you. Somehow this is going to come to pass because of who told me. But I don't have to make it come to pass. But if you're living that out from what you are, that should be the outflow. So like, even when you're bringing up like Jocko Willenick, he, it's such a great example because he could actually step away from things that would advance him, but he wouldn't do it at the cost of his men. Now, someone who just has a dream and a goal, they don't care what it costs someone else as long as they get to their end result. And a and true, pure motivated dreams means I'll put it on hold. In fact, I'll even give up the dream. Like I, when even when we talk about dreams and heroes and people that that fulfilled their purpose, I cannot believe Esther thought, you know what? Okay, here's the deal: I'm going to become the king's prostitute for a while, and then once. I do my concubine, my, my slavery. Then if I look just nice enough, he may pick me. And then when he picks me, I'm going to persuade him to go do this. That, that would be the most, but we almost make dreams like that versus, Hey, this is a situation you're in and this is what you are, but you're going to have to work with what's in front of you and bring out everything. And so maybe part of our goals should be, how do I step aside from myself and lift up other people? And that becomes cliche too. So I want to be careful how we're terming that. Cause some people could be go, Oh, it's all about lifting other people. And that could be a selfish motive. Cause you get all the mental reward and the, the self praise because you did these things. So let's, maybe the right term is remove self acclimate or self adulation from from anything that you're doing and just like i already am this this is what i'm just going to go do that that might be a better way than saying because you could be get glory from being the pity case or the the one who serves the most or you you can still be fulfilling a wrong motivation within that action i think that's a really important point that you bring up is um last week when we were talking about this and i was bringing this up to you it was because a friend of mine who had, he brought up somewhat of a situation that could happen in the future, maybe not happen, but it, to me, it looked like it may affect of what, uh, it may affect what I feel like God has given me a dream for and what I have seen, but haven't accomplished and I haven't walked into quite yet. But I was like, what, what do I, do I give up my values is what I believe in and what I feel like God has told me what is right to pursue that dream, or do I give up the dream and follow my values and what I believe God has told me to do? And this was a really, really, really interesting point that you brought up to me was that sometimes if you put up your, your dream on hold, God can do the rest. And I think that was really interesting is that like, if you're willing to give up your dream, sometimes in that process, your dream will actually be fulfilled. And I thought that was really cool. And I think that's a really interesting point and very important point to bring up because many times people feel like they do have to push over people. They have to bulldoze people. They have to, they have to hurt people. They have to, you know, they have to screw people over to really accomplish what they want to do, but no, that's not the case. God's given you the dream and it'll be accomplished because he said it's been accomplished and it's going to be done. And you need to know that. And when you truly know that you're willing 
to not, you don't have to push. You don't have to bulldoze because you know it will, it, it will be done. You just need to walk it out. You just need to um, continue doing what you're de- doing, continue in your identity, continue in your beliefs, and it will be done. And I think, I just thought that's a really important point, and I just wanted to hammer a little bit more on that one. So, the There's a book called, I can't remember the titles, but uh, a while back, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book about basically uh, the theory that it takes 10,000 hours of expert labor to master a skill of whether a dancer or musician, athlete, writer, whatever. It it takes hours of uh, intentional practice to produce that skill. And so this was just a scientific study. Well, someone else wrote a book uh, along the similar lines, and they started going through different characters of how long it took and, and how they thought. And I thought this was very interesting. You'll take a runner. Let's say you love running and uh, you, you'll set a goal. Like, what do you want to do? It's like, well, I'm really fast. I'm going to, I'm going to win the champion. My goal is to win the championship this year in high school. And then I'm going to get into college and then I'm going to win the championship there. And then I'm going to get into that. And then I'm going to go on to the Olympics and da, 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 da. Okay. doesn't mean it's going to happen, but that's kind of that, that pursuit and that, that goal and the, that way of thinking. But to someone who's a professional that knows they're a good runner. When they're running, let's say they've they made the Olympic team. They're they're not sitting there going, "Okay, if I okay, I, I got to get the gold." And they write a picture of of the gold medal up on the thing and you know, I mean they may do that for some imagination, but generally a great athlete already feels they have the capacity to win the gold. So when they're running, they're not thinking about the gold and crossing the finish line and and the glory of winning the gold and achieving that goal, that's a part of it. But their goal is they will focus on how's my breathing when I'm running? How long is my stride? And they'll focus on their stride. They'll focus on their foot placement. And they'll spend hours focusing on that because they already know they have the capacity to win that. And if the opportunity is right, so now they're focusing on those, those things that we don't often look at, we look at the big picture, but they look at these little pieces in the steps along the way to get there. And I think that fits more of someone who knows who they are that's pursuing something and how they go about those little details. And there's times that they will put things on hold or not put things on hold, but that becomes what their practice is. And I I was thinking, you know, in the example with Caleb and what you're doing, I know your long-term heart motive, it may involve video. It may involve photography. You'll probably have it a part of you for forever, but that's not really my, the, the end heart motive of what you want to see accomplished with your life. But if you don't give yourself to these things, you won't have the endurance, the character and the strength to do the bigger thing. So I think if we look at yours, if we could, we're going to summarize of what your future could look like. You're giving yourself to how am I breathing when I'm running? How is my stride? How are my shoes? What what, what can I, you're working on those little details and not focus on, well, does this fit my bigger plan? And you're so long distance thinking that you don't even do the thing that's right in front of you that blesses people in the process. Yeah, definitely. I agree. If anything, I look at photo and video as more of a tool for what I see as my dream. Because I mean, if I were to say like, what is the purpose of the photo and video I'm doing? Because the purpose of the photo and video is not creating just a photo and video. I think it's to impact people who see it. So even in that, like you're saying, well, if I want it to impact people, I also want it to be like the most excellent, the most effective tool that I can use. So I think that's even another part of like, I think it's all just effects of your identity and your dream. So all that stuff in between is just an effect of it. Like the runner, when you were saying like, he's thinking about his breathing and things like that, or me when I'm thinking about creating this video, that's just an effect of the final objective. So it's not like worried about like, you know, 
it's not so much that you're worried about the final objective because you know you're going to get there, but you're in the moment thinking about how are these tools going to be, how can I make them most effective for that, and how can I make it the most excellent that it can be? And I think that's just a byproduct of who you are, you know, using that. So here's my question going forward is we have dreams and if we define it from more of a biblical, it's, it's an imagery of what your life looks like at the end. Like imagine the dream Peter was given. Hey, by the way, Peter, your end, they're going to hang you on a cross. Just so you know, that's your dream. So rather than looking at a dream that ties to your identity as once I get there, I will have made it. Look at it more of, I will know I've accomplished why I'm here when I get there. That, that's, that, I think that's a, maybe a better way to look at it because that journey of a dream is not what people are going to imagine. And it's not joyous and people don't celebrate it. I mean, you think about David, probably the greatest honor to have the prophet come and declare you're the king as a shepherd boy. But then for 14 years, you are hunted by the existing king and you're not trying to do anything just because you simply exist. You're being hunted. Then you have to go live like a madman with your enemy that you just killed Goliath and the Philistines. Now you're living with the Philistines because you have no other place safe to go. So the only safety you find for living is with your enemy. And he didn't do anything. It was just what he was. But what did he do in each one of those environments? He still, he was a warrior. He was a shepherd. He watched over the men. Uh, even in the first batch of young of people that came, including his family, when he, when he first ran away, it says those that were in debt, discouraged, and cast out were the ones that joined him as his mighty men. That, that's who became David's mighty men was all the outcasts, the indebted ones, the discouraged ones. That's, that was his group. And what did he do? He shepherded them into what they became. But where did he do it? Not in his dream, probably in the most miserable places you could probably be. But what happened was because he kept doing the thing that he was, eventually the opportunity came that put him into that spot but he would have never gotten to the gateway of that opportunity unless he did these things. And there is no pathway to get there. It's just do what's in front of you with all your might and get you out of yourself a little bit and do it for the benefit of others. And that begins that reciprocating process over time. That's my so thought. Maybe, maybe you can clarify this. Maybe you can clarify this for me and maybe for, uh, Tommy, I know Caleb gets it, but Tommy and I are lost on this. So can you distinguish between uh, using David as a great example, his dream versus his identity? Are, are those interchangeable terms we're using or are those different things? Because I, I kind of look at his journey and I see from the moment he was anointed, his identity was changed. Now he, he is essentially living kingly for the remainder of his story, even though he did not receive the title of king right away or the position. And so on one hand, you can make a marker and say, okay, well, once he um, achieved the throne, then he, the dream was realized. And from there on out, he was living the dream. Up until that point, the dream had not been realized, but he still had the identity of a king that he was walking in. Can you, are those different terms there? Or can we kind of and I don't mean to just split hairs on terminology, but I think it's very important for us because so many people will get lost on, you know, I don't know my dream. I don't know my purpose. I don't fully know how my identity even affects what's in front of me right now. So knowing what's what is going to help a lot of us in that journey. So uh, let me just distinguish because there's part of it that there is a pursuit because you're giving it. And there's this imagination that you can't shake out of your head of what you are. So your identity produces your dream, what you are. Now, some people don't discover that till later. I mean, Abraham was, what, 75 years old when he discovered, when God began speaking to him, what he was. David was, what, 
anywhere between 14, 15, 16 years old when he was told this is what you are. So there's this internal side that becomes settled. This is what I am. But it's almost like it it's not a pressure on you to bring it out. It's just what you are and you start living that as you go. So but there is something in our on the on a the natural side that we want goals. Like Paul says, this one thing I do. And then he talks about I race towards the mark. And then he tells uh, Timothy, consider the athlete who can't win unless he goes by the rules. So we hear that word race, goal, mark. Th- those are critical things. But if you look at what Paul said was the most critical thing, my n- he said, my number one thing is to know Jesus and the Father. That was his number one goal. So we can pursue the core thing. So if our identity comes from the Father, we know our identity. If if He's our Father, we we pursue Him, and our identity is more revealed. And so we can we can have this pursuit, and then our life, as we find ourselves in our life, we begin outflowing that. And I think a best example of the distinguishing point is the mango tree. And the reason I talk about the mango tree is because like, I got one right outside my office, and it is a blessing and a curse at the exact same time. So when it's in big, it provides shade for my office. It's great, and it produces some quite a bit of mangoes. Not fun to pick up because we're not eating them, and then we have to get rid of them. So we have this mango tree. But if you look at the heart of a mango tree, the, this what is... If I have a seed of a mango tree, the the identity of that seed is going to match the identity of the tree that it came from, right? So, obviously, the mango tree is an inanimate object organism, so it's not like thinking about this, but it's written into its DNA where it came from, what it is. When you plant that seed, it's going to produce a mango tree. At no point does the mango tree sweat about at night, worrying about how am I going to bring forth these mangoes? So its dream, its dream that's written into it is to produce the mangoes in the image of the tree that it came from. All right, so that's quote unquote, its dream. I know this isn't a perfect example because as humans, we all have different applications of what God wants for us. But the, the, but the metaphor still works. As the tree grows, it produces mangoes. But I found something when you care for a mango tree. So like someone who is caring for the mango tree, we had to have ours cut. And I thought they were just going to trim the branches because I still wanted the shade from the tree. Well, they didn't just cut some of the branches. They lopped it down for like three nubs with no leaves on it, no branches, and the trunk. And I'm looking at it going... Why in the world did you wreck my tree? Now, there's a little bit of translation issue here because we said we wanted the tree trimmed. He thought we wanted the tree more productive. I was wanting it cut down because the branch kept hitting me in the head as I was going into my office. He cut all the branches off. So he basically removed the quote-unquote external neuro network of the thinking of that tree as we would look at it. But within less than six months, I have the most perfectly blocking sun shaded tree that is consistent and fits the environment perfectly. And it is more fruitful and more productive now than when it was cut. And so my point of that was a lot of times when we're pursuing dreams or we're defining this. The the end of the day, the mango tree does not care because it doesn't matter how many branches you cut off. It's still going to eventually produce more branches and more mangoes unless I kill the tree, obviously. So I think if we look at it from our identity, when we know our father, so that's our pursuit. I'm going to know the father. I'm going to know Jesus Christ. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit begin opening my eyes as we begin germinating on that. He puts things on the inside of us and desires and thoughts 
and imagery of what our life is to become. Then in the middle of that, I just have to occupy myself with giving myself to everything that's around me, becoming stronger and stronger at whatever is around me. And there's things that are going to interest me more than other things. But don't think that you may not be doing your dream and doing something that you never thought you would be interested in may become the thing that you're actually is the final application of that. And so it's kind of a roundabout way to, to break up all of those ideas. So I will tie a dream to your identity. What you are, when you know what you are, it's going to produce an image of the outflow, just like a DNA of a seed has an image of the final product inside of it. That's how it produces. And the same is true for us. Now, the goals, the processes, the steps really have more to build what we actually are in whatever environment we're put in. And as that becomes stronger and stronger, it is almost like when opportunity comes, you will see the gateway to slide into it, but it will be natural to that process. So that brings me to two questions, and I'm going I'm to ask this of all three of you. Well, the first question is just for Brian. You mentioned at the beginning of that story that you don't eat the mangoes. Why don't you eat the mangoes? Well, because there's multiple different breeds of mangoes. So our mangoes are actually bred for a different use in cooking than the sweet uh-huh. mangoes and sticky rice. See, it doesn't matter if, if I could have a mango tree, I can't make it produce the ones that I want for sticky rice because in its DNA and in its image, it's only going to produce this kind of mango. Now, I feel bad for you. I wish you had a really good mango tree that you could eat the fruit from. Anyways, um, so I wanted to, uh, Tommy and Caleb, get your guys' opinion on this because you're closer to the origin story of this. So. We just talked about the identity produces the dream, and I think that's really profound. So how do we discover or hear or receive that original word, that identity from God today? Because I think the problem for many of us, and I was there, is that we see Joseph. Okay, he got like a literal dreams from God. Okay, we see Abraham. He talked to God and talked to angels. We see David. The prophet showed up physically in front of him and anointed him. All of these markers that changed their identity. And I think for so many of us, we feel like we lack those markers to understand our identity has changed or to understand a dream has been birthed. So how have you guys actually seen that happen in your life? Yeah, I think a way I've seen this practically, because I know I talk about photo and video a lot, but I think like for me personally, like if I had to say what part of my identity is, I think it's like, as a kid, I saw, I had, like, I love nature. I love everything to do with God that had to do with what he created. And I think I wanted that to become a part of who I was like creating things. So even like building with Legos as a kid, um, you know, stuff like that. And I just looked at what are the tools that I can use that are going to be an expression of me seeing that as a part of myself, like creating things. So even like working outside and building a fire pit that's creating something. And to me that like, you know, speaks to part of who I am. And I think where that point started is kind of hard to define necessarily for myself, but I think it's just a characteristic of God that I saw that I wanted like that to be a part of who I was as well. And I think that's just from me, like, you know, characters in the Bible, just knowing God and getting to know what his characteristics are. And so I think like just seeing that and saying, okay, I want that to be a part of who I am as well. And I think that goes for everything. Maybe some things are more significant, but I mean, we, you know, we even teach in church, like that's part of what we're supposed to do as Christians is like, look at the characteristics of Jesus and take those on as part of our identity. But I think that can go even deeper and looking at all those characteristics and, you know, seeing what I think stands out to us and not becoming part of our identity and in turn affecting everything we do and different stuff like that. The more we know about God, you get a more complete 
um, picture of your own identity. And from that, it produces what you would call is the dream, which is given from God, which is ultimately a characteristic of, it's a piece of God. It's a piece of God's kingdom here on earth. And from what I've seen in my own life is the more I get, there's times where I'm closer to God and there's times where I'm, I don't feel as close, but in those times where I'm close and I'm, I'm really understanding and I'm really digging deep and I'm in relationship with God and not to say that there can be ups and downs and all that, but when I'm in those moments, I know who I am and I know what I'm here to do. And it seems just like things just gravitate to you that they know that's who you are. So they already are giving you that basically. And I think that's been very interesting to see is like when you just operate as who you know, and that God has called you to be your what, god's identity in you basically is when you function in that things just kind of come around you that allow you to function in that um like when i look at the soccer team i was i wasn't really a i wasn't a born natural soccer player it was just something i did to have fun and basically stay in shape for other sports that i enjoyed a lot more but as i as i became to understand who I am as a person and who God has molded me in that, it kind of produced something else outside of soccer that I never thought I would even know. But it was just me functioning with who I am on the soccer team. I'm not some soccer legend. I'm not some pro at soccer. I just kind of became it – was, it was who I was on the field, and I functioned through that. And it, and it became something pretty great, I think. And I think it helped the team in, in a way. And I think the whole team kind of became to understand that concept of once you kind of know who you are within this greater picture of the team, you can move forward in that. And I think that's something that I gleaned through soccer and is applied in life too, is that the more I know God and desire to know him, the more I just become a part of him and become like him and stuff just functions out of that. You don't really need to force anything to happen. And then there's times where you, you feel like you don't know God and you don't know who he is and you try to make things happen and nothing will happen because you're forcing it. When we look at dreams or we look at goals, it could become very easy to look at something that's out there that I don't have. So it can become a pursuit of trying to get to someplace versus what do I take with what I already have from this place? And we don't realize that's the thing that actually produces the next steps and the next part of those dreams. And like we've talked about, there's a lot of people that, that need to, or are at that starting point of learning the identity. But at the same time, I, I can tell you for a lot of people, it's not that they don't know the word of identity from God over them. It's that they want different circumstances around them to validate that identity. So they feel more emotionally confident in it instead of just living from that identity, wherever they are at. So for a lot of people, especially people that might've grown up in church, it's not that you don't know the identity. It's not that you don't know the word that God's spoken over you. It's that we're so used to like, well, I need that moment. I need that circumstantial moment to change things to shift my emotions, to propel me towards it. And that is that is just not the way it works. Identity does not work that way. And it's such a crucial thing for us to get. I just want to touch on kind of a point that you made there is that, um, like from a young kid, my grandma kind of spoke into me who I was. And I always thought that was just her speaking to me, but it was really God through her speaking to me. and. She she spoke over me and basically be a leader. That's who you're supposed to be, be a leader. But the most interesting, I think, part of this is that whenever I tried to pursue and become a leader, I never became a leader. But when I just was who I am naturally and just did things out of being who I am, I somehow got raised to positions of leadership where I'm like, why, why am I even... Why am I, the, why am I the leader over this? I, I don't have any 
like I'm not qualified for this, but yet I was still put in position over this. And it was like, I never pursued these things, but I became those things. And I think it's really interesting how it was, it was like through my grandma is just a young kid, just speaking to me the whole time, you're a leader, you're a leader. And I, you know, I, I was like, oh yeah, I am a leader. And then I would try to be the leader in things and just never work. And then I was like, well, I just, I guess I'm not a leader, but then I would just be myself. And then I became the leader and it's like, wow, it was just really interesting how God works like that. Yeah. And I think on your point with circumstances and stuff, I mean, I know I said, like, I feel like I have my dream job right now and stuff, but I don't like for what my dream is, I don't think I'm anywhere near close to what that final dream is. And even in some ways it doesn't look like my circumstances right now, although they're good, are headed in any direction towards probably what I think my final destination is. But I think that's part of what faith is in life and faith in our walk and faith in God for who we are. Because right now, to be honest, like where I see my life ending up is not where I'm all at at all. But I think it's just trusting that process because in everything, like, you know, even where I went to, to get to this point, people along the way, around me were telling me, Hey, like you should be going to college for this and that, because like they saw that, like, Oh, you have like a good brain. Like you should go use it for this. And they saw that as part of my identity, but like I went and did the other thing and it's worked out in the end. So I think it's just a part of it too, is learning to trust because if you try and make it all happen on your own, like you're saying, Tommy, it just tends to not work out in a funny kind of way. And so I think a big thing is trust and it's not meant to be emotionally easy or anything like that, or even necessarily make sense. And I think because you look at all the characters in the Bible, like Joseph, like being thrown into jail, like probably when he initially got there, he thought this is like the absolute lowest and furthest point away from being an administrator because you actually have people administrating over you the exact opposite way. But instead he said, no, I'm going to function as who I am, even in the most opposite circumstances of who he was. Like you could got not get any more further away from an administrator than being someone in prison because people administrate your entire life in prison. So I think that's a big thing for anybody out there who's saying like, you know, these circumstances don't make sense and stuff. I think it's just to trust and still be who you are in every circumstance, because in the end, your identity is like going to guide you to that final destination. Well, and and for those people thinking that, okay, that's great, but that's like one example. You can go through virtually every single hero in the entire Bible that had a destiny, that had a desire and, and a dream. And there's a moment, many moments, when nothing about their circumstances looked like anything pointing towards the dream. Like that's that's actually seems to be the default, not the, oh, I've received a dream and now all my circumstances are magically changing to just make that dream an emotional reality for me. Doesn't really happen like that. It, and it doesn't, it's not to say the circumstances will never be that. But many times in the journey of the hero, all your circumstances are not at all pointed towards the dream. And yet the dream remains, the identity remains, and the journey continues. But I'll just leave this. We need goals. You need to pursue things. But maybe if we just adjust the thought that pursue things that expand you, that challenge you, that step you outside of what you're normally comfortable with, that you could find out what you're actually capable of and how much you can enlarge yourself even if it doesn't fully bring forth the end and then be willing to give it up, but you're still expanding and and growing in a powerful way. Just like the roots of a tree are constantly looking for water and doing different things in order to expand the base and the strength of the tree. So there is a part of us that needs to have goals of pursuing and pushing our mind and pushing our will, but that is not your identity. That's just an outflow of what you are as we wrap this up here just just to draw everybody back to the, the focus whether whether you're very confident in in your dreams and your identity or whether you're still trying to figure that out just take a look around you right now and think focus back on that identity from your father what's the desire on your heart now how does that desire look in the circumstances you're in right now not in the circumstances you hope to be in later but right now 
And in those circumstances, what does it look like when that desire and dream is utilized to lift other people up in who they are? And, and the last thing I want to leave us with is don't get stuck in this thing of comparing your dream and occupation level to other people. That's one of the biggest killers out there is when you see someone else that on Facebook seems to be living their dream, living their identity without any, any circumstantial barriers. And it makes you feel so terrible about yours. First of all, that's fake. And second of all, it will do nothing but kill your dream. So don't compare yourself to where someone else is at. Just understand your identity, focus on that and feel free to let it come out in whatever circumstance you're in. So we appreciate you all being here each and every episode until next time, keep the faith and stay in the fight.